Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 23. We'll start there and read two or three chapters. Probably just two. But as we've said many times, you really ought to read the whole thing straight through and you get a much better sense of each of the books. Deuteronomy 23, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. You have a copy there in the pew if you don't have a Bible with you. But Deuteronomy 23, this is God's Word. No man whose testicles have been crushed or whose penis has been cut off may enter the Lord's assembly. No one of illegitimate birth may enter the Lord's assembly. None of his descendants, even to the tenth generation, may enter the Lord's assembly. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the Lord's assembly. None of their descendants, even to the tenth generation, may ever enter the Lord's assembly. This is because they did not meet you with food and water on the journey after you came out of Egypt, and because Balaam, son of Beor from Pethor in Aram Naharim, was hired to curse you. Yet the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but he turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. Never pursue their welfare or prosperity as long as you live. Do not despise an Edomite, because he is your brother. Do not despise an Egyptian, because you were a resident alien in his land. The children born to them in the third generation may enter the Lord's assembly. When you are encamped against your enemies, be careful to avoid anything offensive. If there is a man among you who is unclean because of a bodily omission during the night, he must go outside the camp. He may not come anywhere inside the camp. When evening approaches, he is to wash with water, and when the sun sets, he may come inside the camp. You are to have a place outside the camp and go there to relieve yourself. You are to have a digging tool in your equipment. When you relieve yourself, dig a hole with it and cover up your excrement. For the Lord your God walks throughout your camp to protect you and deliver your enemies to you. So your encampments must be holy. He must not see anything indecent among you or he will turn away from you. Do not return a slave to his master when he has escaped from his master to you. Let him live among you wherever he wants within your city gates. Do not mistreat him. No Israelite woman is to be a cult prostitute, and no Israelite man is to be a cult prostitute. Do not bring a female prostitute's wages or a male prostitute's earnings into the house of the Lord your God to fulfill any vow, because both are detestable to the Lord your God. Do not charge your brother interest on silver, food, or anything that can earn interest. 
You may charge a foreigner interest, but you must not charge your brother Israelite interest, so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything you do in the land you are entering to possess. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to keep it, because he will require it of you, and it will be counted against you as sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, it will not be counted against you as sin. Be careful to do whatever comes from your lips, because you have freely vowed what you promised to the Lord your God. When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat as many grapes as you want until you are full, but do not put any in your container. When you enter your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck heads of grain with your hand, but do not put a sickle to your neighbor's grain. If a man marries a woman, but she becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he may write her a certificate of divorce, hand it to her, and send her away from his house. If after leaving his house she goes and becomes another man's wife, and the second man hates her, writes her a divorce certificate, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house, or if he dies, the first husband who sent her away may not marry her again after she has been defiled, because that would be detestable to the Lord. You must not bring guilt on the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. When a man takes a bride, he must not go out with the army or be liable for any duty. He is free to stay at home for one year so that he can bring joy to the wife he has married. Do not take a pair of grindstones or even the upper millstone as security for a debt, because that is like taking a life as security. If a man is discovered kidnapping one of his Israelite brothers, whether he treats him as a slave or sells him, the kidnapper must die. You must purge the evil from you. Be careful with a person who has a case of serious skin disease following carefully everything the Levitical priests instruct you to do. Be careful to do as I have commanded them. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the journey after you left Egypt. When you make a loan of any kind to your neighbor, do not enter his house to collect what he offers as security. Stand outside while the man you are making the loan to brings the security out to you. If he is a poor man, do not sleep with the garment he has given as security. Be sure to return it to him at sunset. Then he will sleep in it and bless you, and this will be counted as righteousness to you before the Lord your God. Do not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether one of your Israelite brothers or one of the resident aliens in a town in your land. You are to pay him his wages each day before the sun sets, because he is poor and depends on them. Otherwise, he will cry out to the Lord against you, and you will be held guilty. Fathers are not to be put to death for their children, and children are not to be put to death for their fathers. Each person will be put to death for his own sin. Do not deny justice to a resident alien or a fatherless child. Do not take a widow's garment as security. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this. When you reap the harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf in the field, do not go back to get it. 
It is to be left for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you knock down the fruit from your olive tree, do not go over the branches again. What remains will be for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, do not glean what is left. What remains will be for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this. If there is a dispute between men, they are to go to court and the judges will hear their case. They will clear the innocent and condemn the guilty. If the guilty party deserves to be flogged, the judge will make him lie down and be flogged in his presence with the number of lashes appropriate for his crime. He may be flogged with 40 lashes, but no more. Otherwise, if he is flogged with more lashes than these, your brother will be degraded in your sight. Do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. When brothers live on the same property and one of them dies without a son, the wife of the dead man may not marry a stranger outside the family. Her brother-in-law is to take her as his wife, have sexual relations with her, and perform the duty of a brother-in-law for her. The first son she bears will carry on the name of the dead brother, so his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man doesn't want to marry his sister-in-law, she is to go to the elders at the city gate and say, My brother-in-law refuses to preserve his brother's name in Israel. He isn't willing to perform the duty of a brother-in-law for me. The elders of his city will summon him and speak with him. If he persists and says, I don't want to marry her, then his sister-in-law will go up to him in the sight of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, and spit in his face. Then she will declare, this is what is done to a man who will not build up his brother's house. And his family name in Israel will be the house of the man whose sandal was removed. Well, that's what it says. If two men are fighting with each other, and the wife of one steps in to rescue her husband from the one striking him, and she puts out her hand and grabs his genitals, you are to cut off her hand. Do not show pity. Do not have differing weights in your bag, one heavy and one light. Do not have differing dry measures in your house, a larger and a smaller. You must have a full and honest weight, a full and honest dry measure, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. For everyone who does such things and acts unfairly is detestable to the Lord your God. Remember what the Amalekites did to you on the journey after you left Egypt. They met you along the way and attacked all your stragglers from behind when you were tired and weary. They did not fear God. When the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance, blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. Do not forget. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Folks, let me take just a moment to encourage you to go on the internet and visit the website of Wares Valley Ranch. It's a very easy address, just wvr.com 
ranchesprovide.org. For over 20 years, the ranch has provided a loving home environment for children who have a problem that they did not create. It may be a health crisis on the part of a parent or even the death of a parent. Often, it's the death of a marriage, leaving a single parent who's struggling to care for the children while working one or more jobs in order to provide for their support. Sometimes, it's a parent who struggles with alcohol or drug addiction, or even a case where one or both parents are in prison. But these children are not the problem. They're not delinquents. They're simply caught in a difficult circumstance. I hope you'll help us provide these little ones with the opportunity for hope and healing in a Christ-centered environment. Please visit wvr.org in order to learn more and in order to help. That's wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. Okay, so I'm a publisher. And um, somebody sends me a manuscript and says, uh, I've put together a bunch of guidelines for how to live community life, and I think that um, these would be beneficial to people, and I'd like to submit it for your uh, organization to publish. And I'm reading through it, and, and I'm, I'm frankly astonished by some of what I read. I mean, some of it is, is really like, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, and some of it's like, ooh. And some of it's like, well, that may be true, but I don't think I want to print that. This is God's Word. The reason we study as we do, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, is because this is God's Word. Now, there are a lot of people who really view the Scriptures as being sort of an ancient collection of uh, you know, what people thought. I've heard supposed theologians and biblical scholars who say that, you know, this is, this is an ancient uh, collection of people's attempts to make sense of life on their journey with God. Well, that's one way of looking at it, but it's not true. This is God's word. This is God-breathed. And if you look at what God says about his word through the various writers in the New Testament, they make it very clear, talking about the Old Testament, that none of this was written because of man's own ideas. This is God-breathed. So, there are definitely things that you can study for years and not fully understand. I've spent a lot of years studying this book, poring over it, reading commentaries on it, trying to understand what does that word mean in the original. And obviously, different translators translate things differently. The Christian Standard Bible, which we're using at this point, um, starts out chapter uh, 23 uh, by using terms that most of the other Bible translations don't want to use because we just don't say that in church. Maybe in the doctor's office, but not in church. But why is that? The ESV refers 
not to the medical term, but simply to the male organ at the start of chapter 23. Well, that's a legitimate translation. The NIV, which is more dynamic equivalence approach to this, says anyone who is emasculated, whether by crushing or cutting. Frankly, I like that better. But no matter which of the translations you use, it's all saying the same thing. And while some people might focus on the word that's used there, what is more troubling to many people is the idea that God would say, somebody who has experienced that is not allowed to come in my house. Now are you paying attention? God says that there are people who have physical conditions and they were not allowed in the house. God didn't say you have to kill them. He just said, when you gather to worship me, they can't come inside. Well, that just goes against everything that we believe. That just goes against... I mean, we've all been taught that no matter what your situation is, come as you are. And I've got good news for you. The prophet Isaiah talks about a time when God's kingdom will allow people who are not allowed to come in the house under the old covenant. And the book of Acts makes it very clear that now in the new covenant, God chose a eunuch from Ethiopia who wouldn't have been allowed in the house in the Old Testament. God chose a eunuch from Ethiopia and took a deacon evangelist and sent him out into the middle of nowhere in order to lead that guy to Jesus. He was riding along in a chariot. He was reading the scriptures and Philip came alongside and said, do you, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So Philip explained it to him. And he believed and he was baptized. And he went back to Ethiopia with the gospel. Because now in the new covenant, come as you are. But if you want to understand the gospel, you need to know this. Because the amazing thing about the gospel is that the temple curtain has been torn from top to bottom when Jesus hung on the cross to bring us salvation. Whereas before, we could not even come in the house unless our purity and our cleanliness and all of that was a picture of God's demand of righteousness and holiness. But now we realize that God's holiness is beyond what we imagined and that our sin is worse than we admitted. And Jesus has solved the whole problem. Everything that stood against us was nailed to that cross. Everything. God didn't say, well, I'll take care of this and I'll take care of that, but this, I'm sorry, you're on your own there. None of us could stand. The Old Testament even says that. God, if you counted men's sins against them, who could stand? 
none of us would be able to come on the basis of our own merits. And so God gave them multiple reminders, not because he's cruel, but because if you don't understand that God is holy and we are by nature sinners, then you're going to miss the whole thing. And so God showed them over and over and over and over, even in ways that they didn't understand were for their good in terms of their health. God tells them about sanitation. And you may say, well, I don't see why that sort of thing would have to be brought up. Well, then you haven't traveled the world, okay? If you ride from the airport to a nice hotel in a taxi, and you get out and you go inside and you stay pretty much on the grounds of the resort the whole time you're there, and then you come back and think you're a world traveler, I got news for you. No, you're not. You went from one pocket of America to another pocket of America. Okay? But if you have spent time, you will realize that not everybody understands basic sanitation. And the consequence is disease. The consequence is all kinds of ill health. It's not just unpleasant. It's dangerous. And by the way, if you study history, you'll find that even in urban areas like London, sanitation has not always been up to par. Because human nature is not that everybody is by nature just pretty fastidious. Not all of us have OCD. Okay? And so God tells his people that there are those who are in and those who are out. And God has every right to say, these may come and these may not. And it sets the groundwork for what we learn about the script, in the scriptures about the nature of salvation. I've been asked to please counsel with a church that is really struggling right now because their pastor believes that the reason some people go to heaven and some people don't go to heaven is because God chooses to save some people and does not save everyone. And there are a bunch of people in the church who are just scandalized by that. Now, there may be some of you here this morning who are saying, oh my word, don't tell me that this church believes that. <laughs> All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. We deserve God's wrath. So how can anyone be saved? Well, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but we'll have everlasting life. That is really good news, isn't it? And then we find Jesus saying these uncomfortable things like, you didn't choose me, I chose you. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And we say, no, wait a minute, what is he saying? Well, here's the fact. God says to everybody, come. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you know what the universal response of mankind without exception is to God's gracious offer? No, thank you. I'm doing just fine. 
That's our natural response because by nature we are dead in trespasses and sins. We're not just kind of sick and ailing. We're dead in trespasses and sins. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope that you're enjoying this message and we hope that you'll tune in next time when Lord willing, we'll bring you the conclusion. You don't want to miss it. Meanwhile, please pray for us and consider making a contribution that will allow us to continue to care for and minister to the children who come to the ranch from crisis family situations. For more information on this ministry, we'd love for you to call us at 866-41-ABIDE or visit our website, wvr.org. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.